All four years that I was in college, I worked at a restaurant. And um, I loved working at this restaurant. I met my wife at this restaurant. It was O'Charlie's. And uh, I even saved, I'm a, I'm a pack rat. I even saved my order book. Christy loves that about me, that I'm a pack rat. We don't have any room for the stuff we need because I'm a sentimental idiot. But I worked at this restaurant for four years, O'Charlie's. And, um, you know, I typically would work five or six days a week. And, uh, you know, typically I would, I would wake up in the morning, or sometimes I didn't wake up. But I would go to class. I would chill for about an hour or two in the afternoon. Then I would go to work. And, and, and I was so acquainted with this place because I had to be there so often. And so I got to know a lot of the people there. And I have very, very fond memories. A lot of times, uh, some people don't get it, but I kind of wish I could go back and work in that restaurant. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just I remember the good times and I don't remember the bad times where I got stiffed. You know, no tips or anything. But uh, I, I loved it. But I loved it for a few other reasons too. One, obviously I met my wife, I told you, Christy. And, um, I, you know, secondly, I had some really, really good life lessons that I learned there. But third, and most importantly, kind of what, you're, what you saw there, uh, my passion was sparked for the lost. And uh, I, we have a friend in, 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 uh, in Virginia that he's a pastor, and uh, his whole vision for the church was built around the people that he worked with that didn't go to church. What are, what are the people, what do the Christians look like that would welcome his people in? Because I guarantee you that, that a stumbling block was put in between God and that waitress right there, and you saw it. I... Um, like I said, I went to college. I went to Liberty University. And, and some, some people, most people equate Liberty University with one man. What's his name? Jerry Falwell. All right. Now, if you live in Virginia, you're, you're in one of two categories. There's nothing in between. Don't even try to make a distinction. There's two categories. Love Jerry Falwell. Hate Jerry Falwell. Okay, and I love the man to death. Okay, I, he 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 provided wonderful schooling for me, but there are some people that don't like this man. And so what I learned through working at this restaurant was that the people that don't have God, church, Jesus as their backdrop in life, they don't have faith in Jesus, is that they already have preconceived notions about Christians. I don't have to tell you that the worst day to work at a restaurant. Is Sunday. Uh, I don't know why, but it just seemed any time that, that, that you wanted to ask off on a Sunday, the manager would just growl at you. Everyone wants off on Sunday. Why? The church people. The church people come out. And so it, it, there was this culture, okay? And maybe you can track with me. Maybe you've seen it happen. Um, maybe you just saw it for the first time on the screen. Um, and you know what? In my own life, I have put my medium rare steak in front of my relationship with that waitress. You know, I, this steak is terrible. What are you doing? You know, and in the meantime, I'm not looking at this waitress as Jesus would. And so when I worked at this restaurant, I want you to know that I gained uh, a whole different point of view in the world. And I began to look at, at people through the eyes of those servers that I worked with. And they look at things a whole different, in a whole different light. And what I realized is that, and I knew these people needed Jesus. 
big time. And Christy and I would work so hard with these people. We would spend time, time on the phone away from work. We would just spend every minute we had with these people. But what, what we began to realize was that these people needed Jesus. And like our people, the Christians were getting in the way. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just ask you right now to to help us realize what our task is. Lord, you've sent us. You've brought us here, and we have church. But God, you've sent us for a greater calling. Not just to be in this church and enjoy ourselves and be comfortable, but you've called us to a, a dying world. Lord, I pray that we would realize that tonight. Lord, it's in your name I pray. Amen. I, I, I began to, uh, to, to see Christians, I mean, just people in general, in a whole different light. And I began to see definitely that, you know, the, the non-Christians, they, they're not seeking. They're not all out, you know, they're not thinking, I have a hole in my heart and I need to fill that. They weren't, because they were filling that hole in their heart with alcohol at the end of the night. It's just a, something that happened every time. And Christy and I were always baffled that this would happen, but they would make all their money... And then they would spend all of it, every dime, even more, at the bar that night. And so there was, they, they weren't seeking. And so what we realized is that we had to go to them. And if you notice in Acts, that's the way it went. We, they, we didn't ask them to come to us. They went to the people that needed Jesus. And so what I began to see is, 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 is you know, if you, if you look on the screen... Um, and you saw that movie, you saw a few examples, you know, you saw the woman that was just like, you know, the, the server was just being nice and, you know, she just wanted them to have a good time. And, and the first thing out of her mouth, well, we've been waiting, you know, and, and not to mention, and this is, this is the one killer. I remember this. If you've ever served at a restaurant, you know, all the taboos that people do when you walk to the table and Hey, would you guys like something to drink? And they all just ignore you. It happens. And, and what's really funny is that that was a fictional tape. It was set up. It was filmed. And I'm sure they were all church people that made it, obviously. But the fact it happens in real life, it happens. And I want you to know that the reaction to that is something that's a whole lot deeper than just hurt feelings. It's a stumbling block. It's God over here and that unchurched person so far away that they can't even see God. And in between is us church people. And so I began to, to, to have a, a, just a conscious reaction to how, how, we treat these, how we treat these people. And I began to kind of take note of, of how people would act and how, because honestly, Christy and I would have to answer for the Christians a lot. And uh, thank, thank goodness, Jerry Falwell had a really good reputation. Everybody fought for his table. He was a great tipper. But there were some other people that weren't. And I just, just to give you some examples, that the people would just walk in complaining. You know, the first thing you do is you go in, and how long's the wait? 90 minutes. What do you got? You're running a business here. What are you thinking, you know? And they're all, you know, suit and tie. And then you see them praying at their table. And I want you to know, just from my experience the people that I worked with saw that and they were just, oh, their spirit grumbled. Because they saw that and it doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter, oh, I'll pray in the restaurant so people see me. It does not matter because what they see is that H word, hypocrite. 
And it's, it's not fun. It's not easy. But we've got to get over that hump. There would be complaining people. There would be demanding people. You know, get us this table now. Get us this now. You know, don't you understand? We're here. You're supposed to serve us. Oh, such a terrible attitude. Not to mention, here's the one kicker. The tip. The almighty tip. I want you to know I got this every once in a while. I just pull this track out of the lobby. And they would they would leave me a tip of a dollar. But they gave me a track too that I could read. You need Jesus. Thanks for this. I'll pay my bills. I'm just, I'm honestly like, this isn't a joke. We would get this stuff. And what was especially funny is when, when the church people would come in and, and I'm, they're like giving a track to me and I'm like, I'm a Liberty kid. Don't they know that? You know, I'm a, I'm a church kid. I want to be a youth pastor and they're giving me a track. But the thing is, guys, is that we, we've got it wrong. We got it wrong because we got so self-absorbed in our Christian subculture that there's no room for love anymore. And that's what scares me to death. Because what happens is, is we love, and, and I catch myself going out into public and, and acting churchy, for lack of a better term. But the thing is, is our subculture, it's, it's great. And we can all gather here and we feel comfortable and we can all talk about what God's been doing in our lives. But the thing is, is that doesn't translate to the unchurched. What translates to the unchurched is one thing. And it's love. The thing that the, 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 the people that needed God most in, in the New Testament times and Acts and when Jesus was alive, the thing that attracted them to Jesus was his love. Not the tract. Here's what Paul had to say. If you've got a Bible, if you turn to 1 Corinthians 13, and you all know where I'm going with this. Because we've all read it a billion times, but I want you to read it in a different light tonight. 1 Corinthians 13, Paul writes to the Corinthians. And I want you to know that this, I think Pastor Randy's talked about this a few times, but this, uh, this 1 Corinthians 13, very popular, read at weddings, but it's sandwiched between spiritual gifts and spiritual gifts. It's talking about instructions for worship. And how you should use your spiritual gifts. So here's what here's the way I translate this. This is how the church is supposed to go out doing ministry. And it is almost the theme in the middle is love. Look at verses 1 through 3 with me. It says, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, and I know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have... All faith, so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. It profits me nothing. I want, I, I want us to remember what it was to be without Christ. What it was that drew you to Christ. I want you to go into a lost and dying world and remember what it is that, that, that clicked for you. Because for me, there was a lot of people. For six years, I thought I was saved because I prayed a prayer. But it wasn't until I experienced a few friends in high school loving on me that I actually got saved. 
They showed me the love of Christ. They, they went beyond borders. They went over the line to, to come and make sure that I got in church. To, to come and make sure that, 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 that I was cared for and loved for. And that's what drew me to Christ. And that's what is attractive to sinners. Now, if you're in here and, and you're thinking, man, 1 Corinthians 13, I read this a ton of times, and, and I love people. Jesus never, ever went somewhere with just customary, reactionary actions. Jesus never did anything just off the cuff. Jesus never wasn't thinking about how to love people. If you read the scriptures, you see love in every act. Even though the disciples didn't understand it, they were confused. The people were, were, were just confused. Even the Jewish, Jewish leaders were confused. But every act was just ridden with love. It was just sponged up with love. And I want you to know that, that if, if we do any of this Christian subculture stuff, if we go out and we hand people track, if we do it without love, guys, noisy gong. Clanging symbol. I actually described kind of to my, my sixth grade class. I like to scare them every once in a while. And I went over to the drum set because we have class in the youth barn. And they were all doing kind of an assignment. And I just went over to the crash symbol with the drumstick. And you guys know what's going to happen. And I love to do that to kids. It's, it's fun. It's scary. Okay, but let's talk about what it really means. Let's talk about what the scripture is talking about. When you are sitting silent, have you ever been woken up in the middle of the night by just this random loud sound? It scares you. It, it, ah, you know, it's bothersome. It's just annoying. Every once in a while, I'll take a pool cue and I'll just bang it on a table just because a kid's sleeping or something like that in class. That happened to me in class. I'm allowed to do it to my students. But I want you to know that, that when, when Paul says, you are a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, do not think that that is a pleasant sound. Because the world looks at Christians already, before we even walk on the scene, as just preachy and Bible-thumping and... And all that that goes with it. Now, that's the system that we exist in. Whether you like it or not. I'm not here to to, to say that that's a good thing. But here's what we have to do as Christians. We have to meet them where they're at. We have to go into those restaurants and love those waitresses. We have to love our neighbors. We've got neighbors that have dogs that bark every single stinking time we go in or out of the house, or if we walk around our house, let's just say these dogs are annoying. And um, we we talked to them. I think it was one of the first times we ever talked to them. And, and every time they would talk to us, they would kind of frame the conversation. We're just so sorry that our dogs are barking. They're so cute though, aren't they? And in my mind, I'm just like, I just want to go upstairs and I swear... I'm going to take your dogs and I'm going to beat them to death. But here's, here's the deal. When, when, I, when I do that, I'm not looking at them with, with the eyes that Jesus would look at them. We recently found out that they have life a little harder than we do. 
And in my mind, every time I passed that apartment, I was just thinking, stupid dogs, just shut up. Just stupid, stupid dogs. And you know what? Christy had a conversation. That's why I love my wife. She's a lot more Christ-like than I am. She she talked with the lady, and she said, yeah, we don't have a car. said, we have that shopping cart because we have to cross the street to go to Meyer and and uh, bring our groceries. We walk our groceries back. My heart broke when I heard that because we had been treating these neighbors just as if all they were were the owners of just the dogs that annoyed, oh, you know, but... But there was so much more there that Christ wanted us living there for. If you look at Mark twelve thirty, it's another one of those familiar verses. The people were asking Jesus. They were testing him. They thought they were going to pull one on him. They said, well, if you're so great, if you're God, if, you, if, you're, if your law is so good, then you tell me what's the best What's the greatest commandment there is? What's the greatest commandment? Here's what he says. In verse 30 of chapter 12. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. Notice how they asked for the one greatest commandment and he gave them two. Why is that? It's because you can't separate them. You cannot separate loving God and loving people. If you love God, then loving people is a, a symptom of loving God. Loving people is something that you do as a result of loving God. And I want you to know that my heart, when I'm not loving people, I'm not loving God. And that's where it hurts. Because you know what? I'm in my Christian subculture and I'm happy and I'm reading my Bible. But am I loving God by loving people? I'm not. See, Jesus said you can't separate those two. And I I wish I could have been there when he answered that because I'm sure they were baffled thinking like, we just asked for one. And there was a point to that. You cannot separate them. The world is attracted to the love of Christ. That's what they're attracted to. The power is here. Okay, the power is not in anything that we think we can do. The power is not in in just in just treating them like they're below us. But the Bible says to regard other people as higher than yourself. And when I when I sat down studying for this lesson and Frank was talking about how every time he teaches on patience, he gets a little dose of it. And that was me. God started working in my heart and he says, let me just ask you this question before you start preaching. Do you think of other people as higher than yourself? And I just sunk like a like a dog that that was just knew he did something wrong. I said, "Man, God, I don't." I saw a video of uh, a guy pulling out of his driveway. Just typical businessman going to work. You know, he's got traffic in the way. He's got a little kid, and uh, this guy walks up to him, and it's kind of a cheesy church video. But he gives him. He gives him some glasses and he puts on these glasses and he starts looking at people. And all of a sudden, there's a little phrase attached to the person. And it tells you what they're going through. It says, get service is what it's called. And you you see that he starts looking at people. And the little kid that he was yelling at on the way out just needs someone to care. The woman that took his parking spot that he yelled at just went through a divorce. The person that, the, the, the barista at the coffee shop just needs someone 
to tell them that they appreciate them. And so what happens is, is, is he begins to see people through the, through the eyes of Jesus. And I want to ask you what would happen if we did that. If Christians would, would lay down our lives because we need to every day, every day, look at people as if Jesus were looking at them. I wonder what we would see. I wonder how people would react. I wonder if the people that we come into contact every day with us would start spilling their guts because they felt they could trust us. Or, I wonder if we kept acting how we're acting. If I keep treating the neighbor like I'm treating them. If I keep treating the waitress like I'm treating her. Am I going to be a stumbling block? Are you going to be a stumbling block? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now, we just... We've come face to face with your teaching. The fact that we are to love people and love you. Lord, that we are to regard others as higher than ourselves. Lord, that there is a lost and dying world that needs us to be on our game. That needs us to be looking at them through the eyes of Jesus. God, convict us. Lord, every day wake us up and just show us that that there is a, a world of people that you are appointing to meet with us and that we are supposed to open up and love them like you would. God, would you please convict us? Lord, help us to have eyes that see and ears that hear. Lord, it's in your name I pray. Amen. Right now, what we're going to do is we're going to prepare for communion. So, gentlemen, if you would go ahead and prepare. We're going to take a few short minutes. And, and if this is new to you, let me just explain it. This is called communion and, and we're sharing the Lord's Supper. And, and what we do this for is we take a time to reflect on what God has done for us. We take a time to really just self-evaluate where we are, where our heart is. And to remember what God has done for us. So as right now, as they're preparing and getting ready, what I would like you to do is to still your heart before God. Get quiet. I want to, to just make this just as, as clear as possible. Scripture does say that this is for believers only. So if there's never been a time where you accepted Christ as your Savior, then we just ask you to pass and no one's going to point fingers or anything. That's not what we're here to do. But we just ask you, if you are a believer, to, to take this time to reflect on what God has done for you. And so as these gentlemen start, as the song plays, I would just ask you to take some time and just, just do, some, do some self-evaluation.